You're listening to the Heart and Hustle podcast. We're your hosts, Evie Rupp and Lindsay Roman. Welcome back to the show, my friend. Make sure to hit that subscribe button so you never miss an episode. We drop them twice a week on Tuesdays and Thursdays. And if you're feeling fancy, be sure to pause this episode and take a quick two minutes to leave us a five-star review. It's honestly an amazing way to say thank you if you tune into the show every week and love listening. All right. So now on to today's show, we had the incredible honor of talking to the wonderful Emma Isaacs. Emma is the founder and global CEO of Business Chicks. She's a modern-day role model proving that anything is possible for anyone wishing to strive for more in their lives and careers. A business owner by the age of 18, property investor by 19, and millionaire by age 23, Emma Isaacs has entrepreneurship and achievement literally in her DNA. Aside from being the founder of Business Chicks, a thriving global community that operates on two continents in 11 cities, producing more than 100 events annually with past speakers including Sir Richard Branson, Sarah Jessica Parker, Kate Hudson, and Ariana Huffington, among others. <laughs> She's also a best-selling author and mother to six kids under age 11. Yes, you heard that right. She's literally a rock star mama. <laughs> Emma doesn't believe in a work-life balance, preferring to advocate for a full life where people are in constant evaluation of what they truly want from it. A fearless leader with seemingly never-ending courage to spare, Emma inspires thousands with her boundless energy and ability to see possibility wherever she goes. Today, we sat down with Emma to talk about the topic of her new book, Winging It. And as Emma tells her story, I think there's honestly a lot that you can probably relate to, to not knowing what the heck you want to do in life, to taking random chances that lead to incredible opportunities, to knowing the difference between a good risk and a careless risk, to letting go of unrealistic expectations, and honestly, so much more. Emma and her beautiful as heck Aussie accent, literally, she sounds like a goddess, <laughs> will inspire the crap out of you today and encourage you to just go for it and hopefully make you feel way less alone in your entrepreneurial dreams. All right, let's dive in and learn the art of how to wing it from Emma Isaacs. You're listening to the Heart and Hustle podcast with Evie Rupp and Lindsay Roman, two photographers turned entrepreneurs and founders of the Heart University. If you're a creative entrepreneur or a motivated dreamer wanting to make the most of your life, this podcast is for you. Each week, Evie and Lindsay bring you actionable tools to uplevel your business and life. So if you're ready to step up to the plate and pursue your God-given potential, you're in the right place. You're ready to live your life and run your business to its fullest? Then buckle up, because here are your hosts, Evie and Lindsay. All right, Emma, welcome on to the show. We're so stoked to have this conversation today. Oh, I'm so excited to be here with you girls. Thanks for having me. Oh my gosh, oh, of we course. We're beyond excited. <laughs> it's going to be so fun. All right, so for anyone who maybe doesn't know you, isn't super familiar with you, why don't we just start off with you telling us a little bit about yourself and a little bit about your story? Yeah, sure. So uh, my name is Emma Isaacs. I'm the founder of Business Chicks, which is Australia's largest network for women in business. Um, it's a super beautiful organization that um, I helped found 15 years ago now. I'm the mama to six 
kiddos. That's half a dozen little ones. Um, my newest, <laughs> you guys are like nervous laughing there, aren't you, in the background? Um, <laughs> no, I'm, I'm like laughing because I, I said this off air before we started recording, but you are absolute goals when it comes to monohood and owning a career, being a CEO. So I just look up to you so much. Oh, that was a nervous you. laugh. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, my little guy, I just had my sixth baby. Um, he's like 11 weeks now and doing super well. He's just a cutie, cutie pie. And my eldest is 11. So it's, yeah, we kind of pop one out every two years. Um, no real plan with that. They just, the first one came along and we loved it. And so we just kind of kept on going. But I will say after half a dozen, we are going to hang up our boots. We're going to leave it there. <laughs> because it's, it's a lot. It's a lot. Um, but career wise, um, my story is that I've never really had a boss before. So you could say I've been a career entrepreneur. So a lot of people, my mom and dad included, say that I'm absolutely unemployable. I don't think anyone would, would touch me. Um, but the journey of having my own businesses from such an early age has really taught me so much that I've been able to carry over into parenting as well. We might get into that a little bit later. So I had my first business when I was 18 years old and a lot of people say, how did that come about? And the truth was that I went to college and I lasted for all of six months. You know, I'm a very experiential learner, so I like to kind of roll up my sleeves and figure it out as I go and ask a million questions. And I found myself sitting in this huge, cold university lecture theatre, um, learning from someone who had never actually run a business before. And I remember having to go to the university and try and find a park and then, you know, walk 20 minutes to get to my lecture theatre and then sit there all day. And I just, I just knew I wasn't getting, going to get to wherever I wanted to go fast enough. So I quit uni after six months, much to my parents' horror. Um, I come from a very, very academic family and out of my 17 or so, um, cousins, I'm the only one without a university degree, which, um, always gives them a little bit of a heart palpitation, but it hasn't, it hasn't helped me back. Um, so, so anyway, I, I was, um, at college and I was just at a barbecue one weekend and I met this, um, amazing woman and she said, what are you up to? And I said, I'm studying at university, but I'm finding it really, really slow. So I'm thinking of quitting. And she said, well, listen, I've just started this little recruitment company and I'm looking to hire someone. So why don't you come in and, and have a chat? So I did that. And long story short, I ended up getting the job and was there for a couple of weeks before her business partner decided he didn't want to be there anymore. You know, he was about uh, probably late sixties at the time, he'd run big recruitment companies throughout his career, and he was just, you know, his his head and his heart was on the golf course. He didn't want to be in a startup. So, as he um, was leaving the building, so to speak, he turned around and said to her, "If you're going to offer equity to anyone in this company, you'd offer it to that kid sitting there." And he pointed at me, and that's sort of the way that I found myself um, as an eighteen-year-old, now a fifty percent shareholder in this tiny little business. And and we just got to work. Um, and the way I bought in was from um, some savings that I had from a waitressing job while I was at school. And, you know, we, we built that little company over seven years. We started out with three employees and got up to over 40 employees. We, um, you know, took it from, you know, no figures to six figures. And um, I love my experience in that company. Um, I think a lot of entrepreneurs can resonate with this story, but after about six or seven years, I just started to think, is there something more out there for me? You know, I've grown this business. Um, it was a beautiful culture, but I'm one of these people that loves the growth, you know, loves the start, loves building something. And when it got to a point where it was big enough just to kind of, you know, tick on by, I'm not a great manager. You know, I'm a really good leader. I'm a visionary, but 
I'm not a great manager of people and problems and process. So I knew it was time for me to look for something else. Um, so a girlfriend invited me along to a business chicks event. And I said, oh, there's no way I'm going to that. That's the most terrible name I've ever <laughs> heard. There's no way. <laughs> I, was just, I said, there's no way I'm going to anything that calls themselves chicks. You know, I'm a serious entrepreneur. That's insulting to women. <laughs> That's derogatory. And she said, you need to get over yourself and you need to come along and you need to experience this amazing thing. So I did. And I remember walking into that room and the music was playing and People were high-fiving and hugging each other. And I was just like, what do we have here? This is magic. And I ran back to my office and I handed around my credit card and I said, everyone become a member. Let's buy some tables for the next event. And that's when I heard that it was for sale. So at the age of 25, I ran up to the lady afterwards and said, I've never run an event before. I've never run a membership organization before, but I want to be able to help. You know, I really want to explore this. So... Yeah, I, I bought the business. Um, and again, back then we had around 200 members. Um, we now reach over half a million women um, across two continents. Um, and our goal is to take the organization to the world. Um, so that's a little bit about my story in, in a nutshell. Wow. Dang. <laughs> that is insane. <laughs> Also, this is like just a minute takeaway from that entire story. But I really like how when you told that lady you were dropping out of college or you were you were thinking about that, she was like, oh, here's a job opportunity. Like, that sounds great. Yeah. Like, that's just incredible. I wow. Mean, and the fact that you bought the company at 25? What? Yeah. I mean, I've always been someone that doesn't really see age and I don't really see I mean I just I'm led by this kind of weird intuition of doing what feels right and I think when we can all tap into that and when we can all follow what feels right you know um the world opens up opportunities do open up and I see a lot of people spending time in business and entrepreneurship being so in their heads and so on the paper and so in the figures, you know, when I first wanted to buy the business chicks business, everyone looked at me and said, Em, you're absolutely crazy. You've got this recruitment company that is making money. It's got a beautiful culture. You know, you're, you're still growing a little bit, but you know, you've got this great kind of lifestyle. Why would you want to mix that up and try anything else? And so I started to listen to these people, you know, my parents included. So I got a management consultant in to look at the, the numbers. And he said to me, there's no way you should buy this business. It's actually not even a business. It doesn't make, make any money. But again, I tuned into what felt right for me. And it was something during that time where I was waking up a couple of times of the night, you know, jotting down my thoughts, jotting down the ideas of what I could see the business could be. And I just knew like every cell in my body was kind of activated and alive. And so that, that's when I knew I had to make the leap and, and buy it. Um, yeah, I just I'm, I'm a big I'm a big fan on doing what what feels right and really trying to check in and, and tune into I suppose it's that intuition or, or the gut feeling. It's always led me really really well up until now. Anyway, mm, I think that's so good. I recently read a book that was just talking about how you know, like you were saying, so many business owners are so tied up in you know the ROI and you know the the margins and you know they're crunching these numbers before they ever take a step. But the reality is you know, half the time, those numbers are just guesses anyways. Mm. And so if you're tying all of your decisions to those, you know, 
projected guesstimate numbers, you are taking just as much risk as you are following, you know, that intuition and that gut feeling that this is where I want to go. And this is why I want to go there. Um, I just think it's so inspiring to hear your, you know, story and your journey and your, you know, vision behind following that gut feeling. Cause I think so many business owners and entrepreneurs could do so well by screwing the fear, <laughs> doing and it anyway, getting out of that, you know, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yes. <laughs> Which I know we're going to dive yeah. into. <laughs> you got it. <laughs> but I think, I think that's just so good because, you know, there's, it's like a quicksand of the numbers and numbers are important. Numbers are so valuable. I'm a big fan of crunching numbers and paying attention to that, you know, but also at the same time, I don't think as entrepreneurs, that should be the only thing that's driving Mm -hmm. our decisions. So I'm loving just hearing you kind of share your journey and your story with just following that gut instinct of, you know, everyone's telling me this isn't really a business and the numbers aren't there and I shouldn't do it, but I know this is what I'm supposed to do and I'm just mm. going to go for it. And look <laughs> at you now. <laughs> Love it. Well, this actually kind of goes perfectly into the next question. I feel like you have a book called Winging It out there. And I feel like that kind of goes along with honestly, how you got into business chicks and how you even got out of college and started that business originally. Um, so my question is, I feel like a lot of people could relate to being in a season of entrepreneurship, but they feel like they don't know what to do next, where to go next. They're just kind of stuck. And you, you obviously talk a lot about the concept of winging it in your book, but could you walk through us through your definition of the art of winging it, basically how to go about it, how to have confidence in what you're doing if you don't feel like you know what you're doing, <laughs> if that makes sense. <laughs> <laughs> it makes so much sense. And firstly, I just want to say, you know, none of us really know exactly what we're doing, right? There's always going to be an element of having a go and trying new things and not appearing like we have it all together. But really the concept of winging it for me came about because for the past 15 years, while I've been building business chicks, I've talked to thousands and thousands of women and it's been such a beautiful journey to really uncover what holds them back and what propels them forward. And it really led me to write this book because the collective wisdom of all these thousands of women is is truly, truly sacred. And Unfortunately for for us three and for your audience, um, I'm sure a lot of them are beautiful women. Um, it is still us who are plagued with a unique set of challenges. You know, we often wait for permission. We often wait to be tapped on the shoulder. We're not always the best at asking for what we want. Um, you know, we all know the story of, you know, a, a woman will see a job advertisement there and she'll she'll run through the criteria that is needed for the job. And she'll think, oh, I only have, you know, seven or eight of the criteria. So there's no ways I'm going to apply for that job. Now, a guy will come along and see that same job advertisement and think, oh, I've got three of those <laughs> qualifying criteria. I'm going to go for it. Right. right? <laughs> um, and, and truly the lesson I want to share from that and with all these women is that honestly, no one truly deeply knows exactly what they're doing. I mean, definitely at the start anyway, right. And that everyone is winging it to some sort of degree. So, um, you know, winging it is definitely the book that I wanted to read when I was 18 and starting out in my business journey. Um, so and I couldn't find it. I read a ton of books and went to a ton of conferences, went to a ton of events, but no one was teaching us how to have confidence in your abilities and how to step forth, even though you didn't have a roadmap for where you wanted to go. And that's all winging it is, right? Mm -hmm. It's just about saying, I don't have the answers. I don't know exactly how this is going to pan out, but I'm going to take the first step and I'm going to, 
you know, gently, gently uh, forge ahead and try and find the answers. And I'm not going to stop until I find those answers. So, you know, it's it's really the way I've lived my life. It's it's the philosophy I've had in business. Um, it's it's really served me well. And I, I think that the the point here to clarify is that winging it is not about being completely reckless. You know, it's not about just jumping off a cliff and and you know, hoping you're going to land right. It's, I'm, I'm going to tell you to remember your parachute. There's definitely an art to winging it well in business and in life. And as I was writing this book, I discovered nine key rules of winging it, but your listeners are going to have to go and read the book <laughs> to discover all of them. But let's, um, let's maybe talk about maybe just, um, if we have the time, two or three of them. Yeah. Um, and I, I think one of my, yeah, if you guys are up for it, um, I think the first one is very much to, progress with a mindset of saying yes and figuring out the rest later. You know, that's definitely been something that has, has guided me as I've, I've gone along. Um, and I love this quote from Karen Lamb who said, a year from now, you'll wish you'd started today. And isn't that the truth? Oh, like if yeah. you, if you, like if you don't start, you're just going to waste time. Um, so I love that concept of just saying, okay, I, again, I don't know where I'm going, but I'm going to say, yes, I'm just going to figure it out as I go. And, um, you know, I'll work it out. And it's really cute. My eldest daughter, um, through lockdown has been wanting to start a business and, um, all the, all the young cool kids these days are into slime. Have you guys seen that? Yeah. Disgusting, <laughs> yeah. You know what slime is? Yeah. It's like, it's really foul. They, they get like, um, laundry detergent and shaving cream and they put it together and make this, you know, really, well, um, gooey kind of thing that they call slime. So she wants to start this slime business and she's, you know, she's saying to me, but I don't know how to do it. I don't know where to sell it. I don't know, I don't know how to start. So I've been kind of testing all these philosophies out on her just saying, okay, well, let's just, you know, commit to saying yes and starting this little business and we'll figure it out as we go. So she's been a really nice little example of, um, you know, not getting stuck in her head and just trying to figure it out as, as she goes. And that's working out really well. Um, I'd say the next part to winging it is definitely to learn how to be flexible and not being so set in a plan that you can't duck and weave when you need to. And listen, you girls know we've been served up the biggest lesson this year with the turbulence of COVID, right? I mean, yeah. we all had, right? We all had big visions for what this year was going to look like. You know, for me, it was a big live book tour across the country. There was lots of travel, lots of vacations with the family. And, you know, even I had a vision of my kids going to school, which, <laughs> you know, didn't <laughs> seem like too much of an ask. Um, <laughs> but right now I'm homeschooling four of them. And that's, that's, um, that's a huge, huge joy. I'm being sarcastic by the way, but you know, it's, <laughs> We, 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 we need to be flexible. We need to be flexible in life. We need to not be led just entirely by plans on a piece of paper. And we need to be able to, to pivot, which is the biggest word of this year. Um, and you know, when, when, uh, lockdown sort of hit or when, when the virus, uh, the pandemic started, you know, we had to sit down as a business and really look at our plans for the year. And we derive a huge amount of our revenue from live events. You know, we bring 2000 women in a room and we have Sarah Jessica Parker or Ariana Huffington or Brene Brown come and talk to us. So we derive a huge amount of our business from these amazing live experiences. So, you know, when it, when it, first hit, we had to sit down and say, okay, we had all these plans for this year and then they're not going to turn out that way. Let's be really, really, really quick to pivot and to make a new plan. And we put all our events online, which has been, um, you know, great. We're certainly not making anywhere near the revenues we were through the live events, but 
how quickly you can kind of unlearn what you've learned in the past and you know, not be so set in a plan is a really, really key, key way to wing it really, really well. Um, and the final one, I think I'd say in terms of how we can all wing it <laughs> to the best of our abilities, really this notion of self-confidence. I know you talk about it a lot, self-belief. It's about backing yourself. Um, you know, you heard it in my story of buying the business chicks um, business. Everyone said not to do it, but I believed in myself and I thought, you know, I reckon I can give this a shot and I just gave it a go. So a lot of wing it comes back to having this trust in the process. It's about having trust in life. It's about having trust in yourself. So I think if we can um, cultivate those habits, then you're really, really set up to wing it <laughs> like the best of them. Oh my gosh. Oh. Emma, you, you're a joy to talk to that literally I could go off. I know Evie could too, like on a 5 million <laughs> tangents of everything that you just said. Um, I think you hit on something that's so important to either early entrepreneurs or people that kind of don't know what they're doing in life and maybe want to start a business. Like that whole fear of, of not knowing what to do, but then you're looking at everyone that you maybe look up to or just those, the big girls out there or what a big girl I don't know why I said that but like people that you look up to out there in life and you're like how did they do it or like they must know something that I don't and I think you hit on something that's so key which is like no one really ultimately knows what we're doing like no one knows what you're doing you just you get over your fear you have confidence in yourself and you are flexible like basically all the things that you just said and you go for it you say yes and you figure it out along the way and I think if people could understand that and know that like, I always like to remind myself, like, I am no different than, like, Beyonce. Like, right? Like, you have to, like, give yourself a dose of confidence. Like, there's not something magical or different about her. She just did what she did when, like, she took the opportunities that were given to her and made something out of it. Or, like, you know, insert Beyonce with literally any other famous or renowned person that mm. you look up to. Mm. Um, but I just, I like to think about that. It's like, Hey, we all don't know what we're doing. We're all trying to figure it out and we're all winging it. Like you just said. <laughs> yeah. hundred percent. I mean, I wish I had half the talent of Beyonce, but you know what, like you, like you said, you, tra- I mean, you, 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 you tra- <laughs> or, the, or the hair, the hair's amazing, but you translate that into whatever <laughs> your vocation, vocation is. Right. And again, it comes back mm-hmm, to yeah. having the self-belief that I can at least give this a shot. I can at least give this a go. And it just helps you get over the inertia of being stuck, get over the fear of being stuck. Um, and I, I, I get that for some people that's, it sounds easy. Um, and cultivating confidence can be a lifelong journey. You know, I, I know it has been for me as well. I wasn't naturally, I didn't race out of my, my mother's womb, you know, with this, with my arms flung open, being confident, you know, I've had to really work at it. And for me, that's been about putting myself in a fair amount of discomfort over the years, you know, putting myself into uncomfortable situations where I perceive myself as, you know, the person with the least amount of knowledge or the least amount of intelligence or whatever, like you said, insert whatever words you want there. But again, it's about saying, you know what, confidence is a muscle that just needs to be used over and over and over. And the more you flex it, the better you get at being confident. And I, yeah, I, I can't tell you enough how important it is to just practice over and over, um, you know, honing your self-belief and, and your self-confidence. And it will fail you sometimes. I mean, I still get imposter syndrome like the rest of us um, from time to time. But, you know, if you've done the hard yards, if you've put yourself into uncomfortable situations and done things, you know, I, I love I love saying to people, when was the last time you did something for the first time? You know, we all need to be doing new things, mm-hmm. trying new skills, um, really trying to stretch ourselves as much as, as, much as we can. That's mm. so good. 
I have so many thoughts and all of them are just swirling around my brain right now. Cause I feel like Emma, you are just have so much information and good conversations are just locked up right now that I'm like, let's go. <laughs> but I would love to hear you maybe talk a little bit about some, I guess, unrealistic expectations that I think we as, you know, entrepreneurs, as women typically have, uh, about our journey, about, you know, what it's supposed to look like, what we think other people's journeys looks like, like all of that. So we know in, in your book, you acknowledge that necessity of letting go of those unrealistic expectations. And you kind of walk your readers through tips and tricks for juggling the chaos <laughs> that comes with the journey and just having fun along the way. So what on today's show would be your best advice to our listeners of how to practically let go of those expectations of what everything is supposed to look like. Mm, I love that question. That's a great one. I think the challenge that we have you know, living in the time that we do is this whole notion of comparing and despairing. You know, we, we go through our social media feeds and everyone else seems to have it all together. <laughs> they seem to have these perfect houses and perfectly dressed children and amazing holidays. And, you know, it, it can leave us feeling less than, and, um, you know, I think that's a challenge for us all as we try and grow our businesses or try and grow our careers or our families, you know, it applies to, to our personal lives as well. Um, when I think about expectations, I actually love this quote from Michael Singer. And he said, the truth is that most of life will unfold in accordance with forces far outside your control, regardless of what your mind says about it. So I had that, actually have that quote written up in my office. And I love that because as much as we can try and control life, most of what happens happens to us, right? And it's about how we react to what happens to us. Um, and and we should we should start here by saying some expectations are actually kind of good, you know, like the expectations we can have about ourselves can actually improve our performance. You know, if you set the bar quite high and, you know, continuously trying to raise that bar a little bit, a little by little, a little by little, that's not, that's not a bad thing. Um, but a lot of expectations we have of, you know, other people and our situation can actually be really, really detrimental and, and harmful to our progress, if you like. So, you know, I've always found letting go of expectations is really hard work. You know, it's it's an ongoing process that, um, you know, firstly involves awareness. You've got to have awareness, um, you know, throughout your day of where you feel um, let down um, and bring an awareness to the missed expectation. I mean, even this morning as I was preparing to speak with you guys, um, you know, I had expectations about my baby will feed at this time. And, you know, he didn't wake up for, he was like 45 minutes to wake up. So I was sitting here nursing him going, you know, quick, you know, he's got to eat faster, eat faster. Um, and then I had, I, I you know, <laughs> oh. poor little guy, and then I had an expectation I was going to be wearing a different shirt and he threw up all over the, the back of my shirt. You know, I mean, it's, again, we, we all have expectations of how our day is going to go, but it's about bringing an awareness to them and saying, that's cool. Didn't go my way. Um, and just honoring that awareness. Um, I think then it's about really acceptance. And one of my business coaches taught me this very, very early in life. And I've always used a coach ever since the very, very early days. Um, and it's like any sort of form of therapy, you know, particularly in business, you think you're coming to the conversation to talk about your business problems, but you end up invariably talking about, you know, your personal relationships or again, self-limiting beliefs. Um, 
So a lot of my conversations with my business coach are about um, my gorgeous husband and, you know, our marriage and um, the expectations I have of him that are often left unfulfilled. And I really hope he's not listening now, but he <laughs> he knows all about this anyway. <laughs> but, um, you know, she, my husband and I come from very, very different backgrounds. And uh, what's an example I can give you? Like I'm quite OCD when it comes to you know, trying to have systems in the house and keep things ticking over and keeping things quite, um, you know, clean and neat as much as possible, right? But he is still, after 12 years of marriage, leaving his socks and underpants and <laughs> T-shirts on the floor, which I'm, I'm sure is a universal problem for everyone, right? We can all um, we can all understand that one. And no matter what I do and no matter how much therapy we have, I cannot change that behaviour. He is just, it's, it's a learned behaviour that he doesn't know how to change, you know, and my business coach said to me, with, with this expectation, you've got two choices here, Em. You can either accept it or you can fight against it. And, you know, you can spend your life living in resentment of his learned behavior or you can accept it. Um, and that goes for every single expectation we have in our relationships with other people and in our relationship uh, with self. So I think acceptance is a really, really um, big key to getting over our expectations. And the last thing I'd say is really about gratitude. You know, it's about in the example with my husband, like what, what what am I grateful for? So he doesn't do everything the way that I would do it, but what am I grateful for? You know, what, how can I bring in uh, this practice of gratitude to look at what is going well? You know, sure, my baby threw up on my shoulder, but big deal, I've, I can afford another T-shirt that I got very, very quickly from my closet in my room, you know, which which is a great, you know, I mean, that's a silly example, but it's about <laughs> you might you might be, um, you know, you've got lost expectations and some resentment building over here, but you know, looking at what you're grateful for and constantly bringing awareness to how good other parts of your life is a really key part to getting over your, um, yeah, your, your expectations and your resentment. And of course, forgiveness goes hand in hand with that as well. The quicker that we can forgive ourselves, the quicker we can forgive other people, the quicker we can learn to stop comparing ourselves to others, you know, other people's journeys. Um, you know, I find life just kind of lightens up a lot more and we can get on with doing what we want to do, you know, and stopping looking sideways about what everyone else is up to because that's just, that takes your energy and focus off of your life and what you want to do. So I've always believed in looking internally and not not focusing on what others are doing. Does Instagram scare the heck out of you? Feeling like you're always struggling to save time on the good old gram while also creating flawless branded professional content for it? We feel you. We have made a special little something just for you. We created a PDF with our top five apps we use in conjunction with Instagram to create smooth, professional content while saving us time and energy. This is a list compiled after years of using Instagram and searching for all the secret pro tools to make our jobs easier. If you've ever wondered, how the heck did she do this? Or how did she make that? It's probably answered by one of these apps. There are little secret sauce to spicing up your Instagram. We use these apps daily and they've absolutely changed the game for us. So if you're ready to uplevel your Instagram and create pro content with just a few clicks, we got you. Head on over to www.theheartuniversity.com slash apps and let's uplevel that Insta game. That's A-P-P-S, y'all. Hey, Heart Fam, we had to interrupt this episode real quick to share with you something that's revolutionized our workflow. Everyone always asks Evie and I what the number one investment is that we've made in our businesses. Without a doubt, the best investment we've ever made to get our life and time back is HoneyBook, a client relations management software. We both use HoneyBook every single day and legit could not live without it. 
It's an all-in-one project management tool that's designed specifically for creative entrepreneurs. I honestly don't know what I would do without HoneyBook. It streamlines everything. Email conversations, client workflow, contracts, invoicing, calendar integration. HoneyBook literally coordinates everything for my business. They thought of everything that a creative entrepreneur could need and combined it all in one place. From templates, brand customization, an app so that you can send invoices while you're on the go, all the way to the little ka-ching sound your phone makes every time you get paid, aka my favorite part. (laughs) HoneyBook gives you the ability to streamline an excellent client experience from your fingertips so you no longer have to spend 24-7 working in your business and you can finally get back to living your life instead. Guys, we know you're going to love HoneyBook just as much as we do. In addition to a free seven-day trial, we have an exclusive offer just for our podcast listeners. 50% off your first year of HoneyBook. Guys, that's a $200 value. All you have to do is go to share.honeybook.com slash heart and claim your discount. That's share.honeybook.com slash heart. Or you can check out the link in our show notes. Oh, that is so good. I think so much of, you know, managing those unrealistic expectations circles back to, you know, kind of what you were saying of winging it, just that flexibility um, and that ability to... Mm pivot when necessary, when, you know, your baby throws up on your shirt or a business deal that you were super excited about goes south and doesn't work out the way that you had anticipated, or, you know, a launch takes a little bit longer, or, you know, the numbers are a little bit lower, whatever that flexibility of, okay, maybe we try it this way next time, or, Hey, let me throw on a new shirt and be grateful (laughs) that I have another shirt. You know, those, those, I think flexibility and gratitude, at least for me, that like hit me really hard. Cause I've noticed that in my own life, in my own journey of running businesses and starting businesses, noticing, Hey, when something, you know, doesn't meet my expectation, I can either sit around and get frustrated and pout and life just gets really sucky <laughs> or mm-hmm. I can just, you know, hop up on my tiptoes and, you know, pivot wherever I need to go and dance around, you know, whatever mess just got made and Mm. find the good in that situation and look forward to how, you know, I can use this to launch me into the next step and the next phase, the next idea. Mm. So it, it changes, at least for me, my whole journey of entrepreneurship and, and life in general of, Mm. you know, not holding things so tightly to the point that, you know, you feel like your whole fist is going to just crack because you're just gripping everything as tight as you can when you just open up your hand and, you know, go with the flow of things. I feel there's such an extra layer of enjoyment and happiness and joy and peace in the midst Mm. of, you know, a typically chaotic journey. Like that's just the reality of entrepreneurship. It's, it's a beautiful mess. And Mm. if you're constantly striving for everything perfect, you're going to constantly be disappointed. But when you're Mm -hmm. flexible with, you know, the mess, you can actually enjoy and embrace it. Mm, I love Mm. that. I I think there's something to be said as well about having the mindset of understanding that what's happening in this moment, you know, will it be, will it matter in 10 years time, right? You know, you've got to have a long-term vision um, and still be present in the moment. But I always look at the 10 year test and I ask myself in that moment, like, will this actually matter in 10 years time? And I think when you can have, mm-hmm. you know, a trust that life will unfold in the way in which it's meant to, and that, you know, everything that happens to us right here and now, you know, like, I don't know, 
90, 95% of it is probably not going to matter in 10 years time. You know, I've had some pretty, um, you know, hectic things happen in my life. You know, my gorgeous daughter who's now 11 and very healthy and well, but she was diagnosed with cancer when she was four years old. Um, and yeah, um, it was, it was really, really heavy. Of course it was really, really heavy at the time. I mean, no person, no parent wants to hear the words, you know, your child has cancer. It's, it's unfathomable. Um, and you know, we had to really learn some lessons on how to be in the moment, how to cope with that experience, how to make it as gentle and beautiful as possible. Um, but you know, we—I mean, we were, we were lucky. We were one of the lucky families, and that the type of cancer she had came with a something like ninety-seven percent cure rate. So we knew that we could get her through this. Um, and it's not to say in ten years' time that it wouldn't matter, but we knew that we were looking at—you um, know—she would be well in ten years' time. So it was about how do we focus in this moment, make it as gentle as possible, make it as um, meaningful as possible. And for us, that was very much about anchoring ourselves in in gratitude for the experience because it just taught us so much about what we had. You know, my husband and I were able to take time off of work and be by her bedside. So I think, you know, we we never set out having this expectation of a sick child, but, you know, applying some of these principles of being grateful, um, understanding that a lot of of stuff in life is outside our control, um, understanding that it's just a moment in time and we will get through it. That, that helped us immensely. Wow. I love that perspective. And just remembering gratitude. Like, I mean, like you both said, especially in a circumstance like that, um, just being Mm -hmm. thankful for the time and the memories and Mm -hmm. the life that you have. Mm -hmm. Um, that touched me. Um, (laughs) yeah, I, I kind of want to bounce back. Um, when you gave us the analogy of how entrepreneurship with risk-taking isn't quite, or maybe when you were saying winging it, isn't like completely just jumping off of a cliff um, with no parachute. I want to talk about risk-taking for a second because I feel like risk-taking in itself is in the DNA of an entrepreneur, right? Uh-huh. Like we we have to take risks, uh-huh. but it's also, that doesn't mean it's not scary like at all. <laughs> yeah. So my question is, what has been your experience with risk-taking and you, you, I'm sure you think that there's a right or a wrong way to go about it. Um, like you said, with the whole parachute analogy. So could you talk about that a little bit? Like how to do risk taking in a good way versus a bad way? Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, so we take little risks every single day, right? It might be a risk to have a conversation with an employee who's not pulling their weight. It might be <laughs> taking a risk of having a conversation with your husband who leaves his underpants on the floor. Um, you know, we, <laughs> we again, like self-confidence and courage, we can practice taking risks in, in a small way. And this has been, again, um, I suppose a theme of my life. And, and it's actually funny that the older I've got, the more difficult it's become to take risks because I think when you're younger, you don't understand the fallout. And, and and again, there's a thing of, I have a lot of responsibility now, you know, I mean, I have a company that employs about 40 people. I have a family of six children and a husband that, you know, I need to support. So I'm not going to go and sell my home to start a business. You know, that's one little example of, you know, there's reckless risk taking and then there's sensible risk taking. Um, but I, th- I think the beautiful thing with this, and and you said you talked about it before, it's like entrepreneurs need to have some element of risk taking. They need to have some level of naivety to get by. And that comes back to the thing that I discovered, you know, very early on. It's actually a beautiful, beautiful thing to not have all the answers. It's a wonderful thing to not know all the detail because I reckon, you know, if you asked any three of us, um, 
you know, what it would take to get our businesses and our lives to where they are now. Would we have done it? Chances are we would have gone, heck no. I mean, you know, the amount of sacrifice, the lack of sleep, the, um, you know, it, it's the journey of an entrepreneur is like a roller coaster ride and it's up and it's down and it's around and it's upside down and you just have to hang on for dear life and ride it. You know, I mean, that's, that's, that's what we do as entrepreneurs. So, you know, if we knew all of that, if we knew every single part of what it takes to be a successful entrepreneur, I'm not sure that all of us would do it. Right. Um, and the person I always look up to when we talk about, uh, being a little bit naive or, or being a risk taker in, in business is the amazing Richard Branson, um, who I'm lucky to call a mentor. And I'm sure you guys are fans. Like it's pretty hard to find an entrepreneur in the world who's not a fan of <laughs> yeah, Branson. But, you know, I mean, his, his story just always gives me a great amount of comfort. You know, he started a student magazine at the age of 15 without having any clue or idea of what he was doing. You know, he started a record store. I don't know how old he was, but that was the next step in his journey. Then he started a record label without having any idea what he was doing. Then he started an airline <laughs> without having any idea what he was doing. Now he's got a space line, you know, and he's taking people into to space and um, doing all sorts of exp- exploration there. So, you know, I, I think the not knowing can be a really, really great, great thing. And we all have to, um, you know, get comfortable with a, with a level of risk taking. I mean, it's, it's, again, it's, it's a far cry, f- um, from a lot of our businesses. Bratson is reported to be worth $5 billion and, and I get it, you know, I mean, he's, he's built that, that fortune, those businesses up. And also he's had hundreds and hundreds of failures along the way. So, um, you know, risk taking is not, not, um, without, without failure, you know, it's, it's, it's about having a mindset to say, I know this is not all going to turn out, but I'm going to jump off the cliff regardless. And I'm going to give it a shot and, and do my best. Um, so I think we all have to take a little bit of naivety and comfort in the fact, um, that, yeah, we just don't have the answers and it's about taking measured and calculated risks and being comfortable with answering the question, what is the most I could lose in this moment? And if you're comfortable with losing that, Mm -hmm. then go for it. But like I said at the start, you know, I'm not comfortable with losing my whole house to start a new business that I'm not sure of. Um, So there needs to be an element of understanding, yeah, the amount of risk and being sensible with that. That's Mm, so good. I love that. The whole idea of not knowing what the future is going to hold, which kind of adheres itself to risk-taking. I recently saw a meme that kind of relates to this. And it was like, can we all just appreciate the fact that in 2015, when asked in like school or when asked in in an interview or whatever, uh, where do you see yourself in five years? And no one got the answer, right? (laughs) I love that. (laughs) No one got close. No one got even close. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Oh, man. That's so good. And I think, you know, along with with risk-taking, what you were saying, Emma, Lindsay and I, that's something that, you know, we, we say a lot, we teach a lot. In in the sense when something is scary to you, when you're you know considering making a big decision, or when some when you're not wanting to make a decision because you're afraid of the what ifs or the risks, 
actually sitting down and asking yourself, okay, what could go wrong? What is the worst thing I could possibly imagine here? And am I willing to risk that worst thing? You know, for some people, they're terrified of maybe public speaking, but the worst thing that could happen if you get up on a big stage and start talking is that you make a fool out of yourself and everyone kind of laughs. Are you willing to take that kind of risk? You know, cool. Yes or no, you know, make that choice, but actually sitting down and asking yourself, what is on the line here? And am I willing or not to put that on the line? You know, Mm. Emma, you might not be willing to put your house on the line, but you're probably willing to get up on a stage and make a (laughs) fool out of yourself if you trip and going up, you know, something like that, you know, actually speaking of it. (laughs) Yeah, hundred percent. That's actually one of my worst fears. Like we run these amazing events at business checks and I have to get up and speak to people. And honestly, like in the 15 years I've run the organization, we would have had thousands of events and I'm like touching wood here right now, but like I've never fallen. That would be my worst. Fear <laughs> having a big slip on the stage. <laughs> I love it. Well, didn't it? Oh my gosh, who was it? Jennifer. I can't think of her name. Yeah, yeah. She fell yeah, going up at the, the Oscars at like the award show. Yeah, yeah. The, the blonde. Yeah, 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 totally. Yeah, yeah. I know. But she was so good. She yeah, was so cool. She was yeah, she rolled it. with it. She made a joke. Yes, she laughed yes. at herself. I loved it. Yeah. <laughs> Amazing. I think that's just, you know, inspiration of you know, in those situations when, you know, whether literally or figuratively you fall on your face, you know, as an entrepreneur, that's just bound to happen. Mm. You just, I mean, you just got to roll with it. And I feel like, you know, be open with the people who are following your journey, whether that's, you know, online or, you know, your employees or whatever, and just be like, yep, so that one didn't (laughs) work out, but here we're going to, you know, we're going to try this. And, you know, I think, there's a part, an element of entrepreneurship where you just have to let go of taking yourself so Mm -hmm. seriously and just embrace, you know, the ups and downs and the trips and falls because they will Mm -hmm. happen. It's not a question of, oh, will it? It, It's when. So Mm -hmm. I, yeah, I love it. (laughs) It's great. (laughs) It's so good. Actually, along those lines, I feel like, you know, as entrepreneurs, we put such an emphasis on this idea of, you know, having the perfect plan in life or the perfect business plan, you know, going back to the meme joke, you know, five years ago in 2015, Mm -hmm. we were all like, Oh, by 2020, you know, I will be traveling the world (laughs) and you know, all of these, these goals, none of us had it right. So we, you know, we set this expectation of this perfect plan for our life or, you know, perfect business plan. But you, we know you speak so often on why sometimes having no idea what you're doing is often the best plan. Would you want to talk to us a little bit more about that and kind of break that down for us? Yeah, absolutely. So I had my first business. I started back in entrepreneurship over 20 years ago now. And I will say business was very, very different back then. I mean, obviously technology, I mean, we... I had this little recruitment company and people used to fax in their timesheets on Friday afternoons. And, you know, we used to write up, (laughs) you you girls are too young to understand any of this, but, you know, we used to write, write up invoices in an invoice book. And we used to go to the bank and, you know, bank the checks every Friday afternoon. So it was very, very different. And, and back then without all the technology that we have available to us, you know, planning meant very, very different things. So it, it was, you could kind of sit down and, and plan out perhaps the next, you know, three or five years of a business journey. And, and, and we did that back then. But these days with 
you know, life just moving at such a pace, at business moving at such a speed, it's very, very difficult to, you know, sit. I mean, you even said it before, like even doing a one-year plan is is challenging. So you can have a vision for where you want your company to be. I certainly have a huge vision for where my I want my organization to be and what I want it to look like in in five years time. But we have learned that um, our planning is much more of a sprint, you know, so we do planning um, in three month lots because that's about as fast as we can go. You know, it's about just looking far enough in the future with, with keeping an eye on the bigger vision, obviously, but just because competitors can come in, um, technology can change, you know, the, the state of the world can change that quickly. So really I love and have subscribed for the last probably 10 or so years to this notion of um, sprinting and planning, so bringing your planning forward and just looking a few months out. And that's, that's always worked really, really well for us. And it gives you a sense of, of comfort as well, um, you know, that we, we, we kind of can know we can predict a little bit about what's going to happen in the next three months, but to look 10 years into the future and say, this is exactly what the company is going to be is a really, really difficult thing to do. So I would encourage people to, you know, definitely plan. I mean, planning is, is very, very important. Um, when I talk about weighing it, um, you know, we say action is more important than planning and it, it absolutely is. But I talk about action from a point of view for people who really are stuck if they're you know, they're, they're experiencing inertia, they're experiencing fear, they're kind of thinking, I kind of have this dream and I kind of think I might want to give it a go, but I'm too scared to. That's where action comes into play. Um, but I'm, I'm not for a second saying, let's not plan, let's just put it all out to the universe and hopefully something will, you know, fall into place. You know, hope is not a strategy. We definitely need to be planning, but I've always favoured the approach of just looking. Um, and, and look, you, it'll be different in your business as it is in mind. Um, for us, you know, again, doing a lot of events, we can plan three to six months, you know, quite easily in a normal world, mind you. Um, but I, I think it's about just shortening that that planning cycle, if you like, and, and not looking so far into the future. I love that. And I think the practical uh, 2020 as a year has really mm. shown the truth of that. Yeah. Um, you can have, you can have five and 10 year plans or even a year plan. If you had a plan in 2019 of what 2020 <laughs> would be. Um, and I think that's, that's so true is like, you don't know what's going to happen and just kind of shortening that plan timeline, um, mm. is helpful. I think in the practical, the practical realm. Yeah. Totally. Um, my next question is instead of looking forward, I want you to look back for a second. And what <laughs> advice would you give to your younger self in regards to business and entrepreneurship? Like if you could go back to oh. the the Emma who just dropped out of college and started that business or, or started that company or got hired at that company, what would you tell basically your younger entrepreneur self? Oh, that's a goodie. Um, you know what I think I'd say to her is just keep going. Like you're on the right path. Just back yourself, have confidence be really kind to people. Like kindness has been a huge um, kind of theme of my life. And I learned that from a very, very early age from my beautiful parents. You know, we, we had a wonderful childhood, but we didn't come from any sort of money. You know, we were a very kind of lower middle-class family, um, but we wanted for, for absolutely nothing. You know, we had a beautiful childhood um, and my parents just really tried to instill that value of kindness, you know, be kind to absolutely everyone you come in contact with, you know, be kind to everyone from the janitor at school through to the the principal, just build on your relationships and be kind to everyone, you know, and I, I could tell you a hundred stories of how that served me well in my career, you know, like you 
you meet someone for the first time and you think, oh, you know, we don't really have anything in common. They can't do anything for me. I probably can't do anything for them. Therefore, I won't invest in this relationship. But if you are kind to everyone you come in contact with, people remember that stuff. And, you know, I think one of my favorite sayings of all time is one from Dr. Lois Frankel, who wrote the book, uh, Nice Girls Don't Get the Corner Office. And she says, when you need a relationship, it's too late to build one. And I love that kind of thinking that you've got to be permanently building your relationships. You have to be always being kind to people. You have to be looking out for others. You have to be doing favors for people. You have to be seeing people. You have to be noticing them. And I think it just all circles back to that, yeah, that that notion of being kind. Um, and, and that applies to being kind to yourself as well. So I think I'd just say to that 18-year-old kid that, um, you know, saw an opportunity, just, just keep going and um, be kind to everyone along the journey as well. Love mm. that. That's so rich. That's just, oh, that's so good. I feel like this is is probably maybe the opposite side of the same coin. This is a question we ask just about every guest on our podcast. What do you feel is the biggest lesson you have learned in business in all your years? Mm. <sighs> I think it comes back to people. I think we can all relate to the idea that the entrepreneur's journey is not a solo one. You know, it needs to be a team sport. So for me, I've always spent a lot of time trying to have the right people around me, trying to attract the right people to my team, trying to attract the right people as our customers, and then spending a lot of time looking after those people. Um, You know, I'm, I'm very, very fortunate that a lot of the people in my business, uh, in business chicks have been there for 10, 11, 12 years. We've actually had quite a few people who have worked with us for five or six years and they've gone outside and tried something else. They come back, you know, for another two or three or four years. And that makes me really, really proud because I've spent a lot of time and I encourage anyone who wants to walk the entrepreneur's journey to really invest in the people that they have around them. Um, you know, invest in their development, invest in your relationship with them, um, invest, you know, in, in your customers, you know, again, do things that other people aren't willing to do, go the extra mile, care the most, um, you know, remember their birthdays, remember their kids' names, remember their dog's name. Um, you know, just really it's about remembering the detail and prioritizing relationships um, above anything else because if you prioritize relationships, then you find the money will flow, the abundance flows, but you can't do anything on your own and you can't do anything without amazing people surrounding you. Mm. Oh, that is the best advice. I love that and could not agree more. Mm. Um, wow, Emma, you have just been a joy to talk to. You have been a breath of f- fresh air. Thank <laughs> you for coming on our show. I feel like we need to have you on again just to talk then about like motherhood because that's like a whole <laughs> <Yes>. other thing. <laughs> like, yeah. we, need, we need a good question. hour on that one. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. <laughs> Um, you are just like so wise and thank you for coming on the show, sharing your wisdom and your years of entrepreneurship. We are so grateful for everyone that has listened to this show and has fallen in love with you as we are. <laughs> Where can everyone find you Buy your book and just attend a business chick event, maybe virtual or in person in the future? Where can everyone find you basically? Oh, bless you. Thank you. So it's businesschicks.com or emmaisaacs.com. My surname is spelled I-S-A-A-C-S. Um, I'm on Instagram like you girls are at Emma Isaacs um, and Google never fails, right? So just do a little Google stalk and you'll find me. <laughs> <laughs> Google is the dream. <laughs> yeah, that's it. I love it. 
Emma, thank you so much for your time today. I am like walking away from this conversation so inspired and ready to just kick butt. So I can only imagine, you know, everyone else is feeling the same way. So thank you for just dropping gold today. Uh, thanks, Debbie. And thanks, Lindsay. I just loved yeah, chatting with you both. Thank you for the opportunity. You're the best. Oh.